0: This time, we're taking a look at the exciting yet disappointing Matrix Revolutions. Along the way, we ask, how does the Smith fight manage to feel anticlimactic? Why does the script lack the existential monologues? And what happened to everyone after these films released? Why do we podcast? Because we choose to. This is Force Fed Sci-Fi. Hey, everyone, welcome back to another awesome episode of Force Fed Sci-Fi. My name is Agent Sean Michael Cope, and along with me is my friend and co-host. I am Chris Rupp. And along with us for another round is our friend, producer, my
1: cousin. The one. The only. Possessed by Agent Smith, Jeremy Kusky.
2: (laughs) Beautiful. Who would have thought that over the course of 18 years, the Wachowskis would build up a less than stellar filmography after the other Matrix films and return to the well that is their baby, their stories. They they, they're coming out with Matrix Resurrections. And this is a great time for us to explore the remainder of the Matrix series. Well, Chris, when in doubt with Hollywood, just go back to the well.
0: Crank out a legacy sequel when in doubt. (laughs) Ah, they'll, They'll pay for that. A new generation of kids. So we'll see when we see that. But first, synopsis time. Let's please, Chris, enrich our lives with revolutions. So for
2: lack of a better
0: sentence, this picks up immediately
2: after Reloaded left off we get that shot of neo has just fried a bunch of sentinels with his hands in the real world and he's in a comatose like state trapped in this uh this way station i guess and revolutions brings the matrix trilogy or what we thought was a trilogy to a close neo chooses to go back into the matrix and he wants to destroy smith who's now completely overtaken the matrix this horrible awful assimilating virus And also at the same time, we have Morpheus and the other captains. They have to return to Zion to assist in defeating the machine army that's set to come and kill them all. So two fights, different fronts, both with the same objectives, ending the war and bringing about peace. But will it have the payoff? that remains to be seen (laughs) it takes two and a half hours to get to that payoff
0: (laughs) the longest build for a battle two battles oh and with this film thank you for the synopsis as always brilliant uh with this film the wachowski sisters who were formerly the brothers directed it surprise surprise and we have you know keanu lawrence carrie ann moss hugo weaving anyone new
2: yeah, it's largely the same cast. We have some minor additions here and there. We have um, little girl Tanvir uh, Khatwal plays uh, little girl Satie. Um David Roberts uh, plays Captain Roland. He briefly appeared in the in the first film, but I think he gets more of a uh, uh, like a bigger stage. He definitely gets some more lines of dialogue. Uh, we have Bruce Spence as the train man, kind of. Uh, you know, everyday ghoulish looking Australian actor who appears in a lot of things. Um, also, on a tragic note, uh, we have Gloria Foster, who originally played the Oracle in the previous two films. She had passed away after um, her shooting of or her scenes for the second film were completed and was replaced by um, Broadway actress and Emmy Award winner Mary Alice, who also does a great job in this movie. But uh, another tragic no these this it seems to like to permeate these series because we had Aaliyah who passed away uh, in the in the second film and then we also have uh gloria foster passing
0: passing away as well yeah it is a little bit jarring
2: this was kind of glossed over at the time when she passed away like i don't remember hearing anything about it and they certainly explain why the character changed between the second and the third film but this isn't like richard harris dying after two Harry Potter movies and being replaced by Michael Gambin. like there was next to no fanfare or major mourning after Gloria Foster died.
0: <laughs> right. Just kind of. All right. New person. Cast someone else. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> but you think because she's so integral to the plot, you know, that you'd say something. But, eh, you know, whatever. Maybe they didn't want to detract too much from it is what it is.
2: They didn't make a big deal about it. I think they they explained it off in the movie as, what, like a change in the program or something?
0: Yeah, which, I mean, it sucks because there's really nothing they could do. You know, it's just one of those things. Mortality. Is it one of those things in the movie, like, you don't
2: pay attention and you miss it kind of thing? Like, you know, like when you're
0: driving, like, if you get behind this bush, like, you cannot see that building kind of thing. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And, uh, I mean, to me, it does take you out of the movie for a little bit because you're like, oh, you know what? What is this? But then, you know, you just got to accept it. And I think she does a good job. You know, she tries because it's so hard to replace someone that's had two films to build up, you know. Well, like
2: then it. she's also assimilated by Smith. So she's yeah. really not in the film that much.
0: Exactly. Which, you know, that would have been a little bit more of a punch with the regular. But, you know, life happens. But enough. so this film is part two right you said they filmed it all in one go 18 months
2: big big budget for this film as was with the second film i think uh uh, this was budgeted between 110 and 150 million dollars so between reloaded and revolutions warner brothers committed a minimum of 250 million dollars for these two films and that's on the low side of things and we have to figure as well that they spent at least $100 million in marketing at least a second film. So there's a good bet that they spent $400 million on these two films. That's an ungodly amount of money. Nowadays, I get you like eight films.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: They really wanted it to pay off, you know. I, that's just a lot of money. That's insane. That's <laughs> so me. much money. Imagine being a director, too, like... You know, you've only done a couple films all of a sudden. Here you
2: go. Take all this. You You have $300 million to play with for two movies? Oh, my gosh.
0: And you have to make that money back or else your career is done. Yes. (laughs) No pressure. No pressure. None at all. (laughs) But for this one, they did filming primarily in uh, Sydney, Australia, which is kind of exciting. At Fox Studios.
2: Yeah, there is a big... Boon, I would say around this time a lot of productions were in New Zealand and Australia obviously the Lord of the Rings films uh, played a big part in that and then we also have the emergence of several prominent filmmakers we have Taika Waititi who is now a, a regular contributor to the Marvel Cinematic Universe we also have uh, Jermaine Clement and his creations of what we do in the shadows with Taika Waititi and the the vast empire he's created um. Also, too, we have notes of a lot of injuries happening during this production. Like Carrie Ann Moss broke her leg.
0: Yeah, that sucks.
2: <laughs> Hugo Weaving had a slipped disc in his neck. He was, I guess, uh, there was a story. He was pulled back too hard oh on a harness and uh, it caused him neck pain for a long time. That so, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, like we hear Tom Cruise breaking his ankle and then we're just like, oh, it's Tom Cruise. Like
0: <laughs> He's always doing that.
2: We don't hear about injuries on set anymore like unless or, or if it's Harrison Ford getting his foot crushed on the door of the Millennium Falcon.
0: That's because you really, I don't think many actors nowadays do their own stunts like back in the day. Because I know Hugo Weaving, he's notorious for that. Willem Dafoe, Harrison Ford, Daniel Craig, Tom Cruise. But a lot of people nowadays, they have the stunt doubles. Which, as The Rock put... It's, you know, you know, people pay to see him and why damage the product, you know, especially if you're making four or five movies a year. Well, you want to get hurt.
2: Well, in a Tom Cruise situation, I mean, he broke his ankle on Mission Impossible Fallout and it it delays production and it can also delay the release. And, you know, put people like out of work essentially for two months because you want to prove how big a man you are with your five, six
0: stature. <laughs> Though it's just the dedication to the craft, Chris. That's all it is. Sure. <laughs> uh,
2: let's get into uh revolutions right away, right off the bat. Sure. So I, I I have to say, like, and I and I think we touched on this a little bit when we were talking Reloaded. Uh, the addition of having Smith find a way to emerge himself in the real world and be like not so much like the the for, the villain in the forefront, but working in, in behind the scenes to. Kill off, you know, other member, other ships, and and other crew members. But I had to say, I was a bit disappointed to see Bane, the the human embodiment of Smith, be killed off almost a bit too early in this movie. I don't know how you guys felt about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, we, and we briefly talked about it before we started recording, but you know, at the end of uh, Reloaded, you you kind of it makes. The movie makes it seem like it's going to be a big deal. Like, it's like how it closes out. Neo and uh, Bane uh, on a table next to each other. Like, you think it might be some big plot point coming up, but not really. That's not what we get.
0: No. Smith just goes on his murder feud. Like, he just murders the doctor lady. And then, I mean, when does. Because Neo leaves to go to. the city, right? And then he tries to murder him on the way to the city and blinds him. But yeah, he does kind of get killed off early. But, you know, I guess he had to get back to the regular. I don't know. It just. It served its purpose, I think. Because him being in the world, he already did. I don't think there's anywhere else that he could go, you know, with that. Because he ended up destroying all the ships, right? By detonating the MP. I mean, the only other place would be the murder everyone on the crew, which he just did the doctor. And then, so, it is what it is.
2: Well, and it, it happens right away as the other ship leaves. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, well, we can't go back now. We can't help them out. Because yeah. then he has an EMP. And I just feel like that, that that sequence where Bane emerges and attacks Trinity and Neo would have been... Better saved for when they the ships do separate. There's a bit more distance between the two, and Trinity and Neo have made it to the the surface and are approaching the machine world, mm-hmm. and it causes that shutdown and um and delay. I feel like it would have been better served de- if it were just moved more in the middle of the second act as opposed to the end of the first act, because mm-hmm. it was it was great having this embodiment of Smith. They're confronting Neo, although I am a little confused as to how nobody figured out that this is the embodiment of Smith at the table as they're interrogating Bane. (laughs) Because he talks
0: like Smith. (laughs) That's the best part. Mr. Anderson.
2: Somehow I have these cuts on my arm. Looks like they were self-inflicted, but I don't know. Like, you mean to tell me nobody figured out that that was Smith at the table? Nobody figured out, like, hey, you don't sound like you. Are you okay, buddy?
0: Maybe Bane was just always the guy lost in the background. I don't know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I know I've been giving the monologues a lot of grief, especially for Reloaded, but Bane's monologue to Neo is probably the most interesting of these two films. And it really it's it's compelling and it helps to humble neo a little bit like yes you are the one your powers extend beyond the matrix but at the same time you're still very vulnerable in your human state you're not superman here in this world you're mortal you have you deal with pain obviously neo is blinded as a result of this fight mm-hmm. and it's i got to say it was immensely satisfying Watching Neo grab that pipe and
0: literally bash his head off. That was cool. I love that. And then how he saw Smith like and he was fire through the regular world. That was pretty cool. I don't know, what that, know what
2: that fire symbolizes though. No idea. Yeah,
1: well he loses his vision to a point and then all of a sudden now he can see the world in a different way, I suppose. I don't know.
2: I think it's he's only able to see like the machine's source code. And ultimately, like Smith, regardless of how he's untethered from his original programming, he's still a product of the machine world. So that code is still there for him. It just exists in a different way because there's a there's a contrast between how the code looks on Smith versus how it looks on the machine world. Yeah, because yeah, like you were saying, Sean, it looks like it's almost like fire or smoke mm-hmm. coming off of him. Almost like he's this destructive force. The devil. Yeah, <laughs> he's and, the devil. And
0: Neo is Jesus Christ. Yeah. So it's like we get that the heavy religious elements in this film. Yeah, cause, and I think it is only for machines or some part of that world because he didn't see Trinity when she gets impaled. Like he doesn't see her body like all lit up because he doesn't know. Yeah. Know? So yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, thank you, Chris, for, <laughs> for clearing the murky waters of my disillusionment. <laughs> <laughs> I try. That's what we're here for, right? <laughs> what did you think? So th- this film, the big thing that um, did they like the the guy the 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 general guy? It's like hoorah, hoorah. Who is he? It's I, Captain Mifune. Mifune, He was in the second one, but just briefly, right? Yeah, yeah. Because when they landed. You know he was there to help Morpheus get off the ship or whatever. Yeah, but he's not. We they really like dive deep into him in this one. He's like hoorah,
2: very much hoorah. And this is something so, that we did not see in the first film. in the In the briefest moments, we meet Captain Mifune, and then all of a sudden here, like the captain is the the hoorah guy,
0: right? Like,
2: you're you're not in the Marine Corps. <laughs>
0: Maybe he's their version of the Marines. Uh, I know he's he's very what a, what a rousing speech he gives them. If it's our time to die, it's our time to die. <laughs> right? I feel like this was
2: like their best attempt at a tribute to Sergeant Apone's character from
0: Aliens. Yeah, it didn't. I don't know. For me, it was just kind of meh. It didn't really, you know, razzle dazzle me.
2: Well, it doesn't help me that there's no clear hierarchy in terms of, like, who's in charge, who are the non-commissioned officers, who are the enlisted men. Because we have Commander Locke, and then apparently a whole bunch of subordinates, then they're Captain Mafune, and then a whole bunch of underlings there. Like, there's no structure to this military unit like who is picked to go into those apus who's picked to be the ammo
0: runners who's picked to work in the operations center like how does all this work and apparently if they have training but the kid never finished it but neither did the guy the commander so it's like it doesn't make sense the organization i really feel like it's just people you're good at this go and they just throw them against the wall
2: like, i I made the note that it would have been nice to have some sort of, like, sergeant type of character. But then again, this movie's already so bloated with characters, you can't add another one and have them feel memorable or make them feel a part of the plot without
0: just totally forgetting who they are. It's too big of a cast, I think. Too, too much detail already. So you just kind of, they went with it. What did you think about that, though? Like, because, you know, the once they introduced the Milfoon. Milfoon? Mifune. Mifune, once he's in it, he's, like, big in the action. He is the guy that's shooting the fifty cal out of those robots at those machines. Big guns. Big, big guns. Big bullets. <laughs> Oversized guns. <laughs> Huge. But oddly impractical because they can only hold two cartridges, and they need people to go out to reload them. Oh, my God. Those
2: have to be the worst designed, like, exosuits suits weapons
0: ever conceived i think they just designed them that way for that one uh, emotional scene it has to be
2: has to be like and you mean to tell me after all of this time how long zion has been there you mean to tell me that this is the best type of weapon system you can offer up is putting men in these apus exposing them to combat hellfire and death and once they're out of ammunition, exposing more people to hellfire, combat, and death just to reload the stupid things? I don't think so.
0: <laughs> the worst designed weapon system I've ever seen. That was my question too, because like they have the guns, you know, with the laser. I'm like, why don't these things have lasers that just, you know, like plug them in somewhere and zap them? Like Supposed
2: why? to be what the 23rd, 24th century or something? <laughs> you mean to tell me this is the best we can offer up is a bunch of? <laughs> Turrets and homemade rockets
0: <laughs> they built Zion. The water machine can convert it into energy and you don't still- forget the
2: rave cave that's very dirty.
0: <laughs> that's right.
1: Well apparently they're lacking on the military side. they don't have uh, any organization and uh, the weapon systems uh, for defense is not very good.
0: Apparently for this iteration, just the old neo just didn't pick the right guys you didn't pick the seven dudes or 16 women to repopulate that were military inclined i just feel
2: like they they had to have understood that there was a distinct possibility that the machines would amass an army and would try to destroy zion at some point and you didn't spend any other time on weapons development other than like oh we have turrets and then the our citizens can build homemade rockets that for sure won't explode when they try to put these together in their own homes they put all the money in the ships it's just uh anytime you hear about somebody making homemade explosives it always ends poorly and you see z loading up rockets and her i think it's like her sister or sister-in-law comes over and it's like what are you doing i'm building rockets (laughs) like uh aren't you worried like something's gonna blow up like why are you doing this like i want to help like don't they have other rockets that they've already built so why is this your
0: job did you was this the scene in uh this film where the two girls are like shooting the rockets at the digger yes yeah that was a pretty cool scene i liked how loading but it's still the rocket design didn't make sense to me at all but and why was she so close (laughs) <laughs> like it explodes and she's I'm like, what? No, but eh, whatever. And the targeting, like, it was cool. I, I, I felt the tension. Oh, they almost got the digger, but then the missile just missed. Yep, it hit a sentinel. <sighs> and then
2: people died. Oh yeah, they <laughs>
0: brutally murdered her sister. Poor girl.
2: Uh, I mean, and I think we've touched on it a little bit. I think we can definitely praise the action scenes once again this time around. I mean. As anticlimactic as this film feels at times, the Wachowskis do a great job of crafting these action scenes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like the 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 club shootout
0: scene in that lobby, there is awesome to watch. Oh yeah, that's so cool with the Frenchman. <laughs> Trinity Gigi just pulls the gun on him. Very cool. Very cool.
2: Well, that shot where she uh, where she kicks the the gun up in
0: the air and catches it and points it right at his head. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't have time for this crap. <laughs> oh yeah, and the rave club because they they have to have a rave in every single one of these freaking movies.
1: I kind of like that that uh, they almost had the Merovingian kind of blinded by just wanting more power, like they kind of mentioned and Reloaded. And it's, he's a man who just wants power, and he's like he he asks for the Oracle eyes. And then Trinity just says, "Screw this!" Like he and he's like completely like caught off guard. But I think that's that's kind of interesting. He was just kind of focused on more power and wasn't was you know wasn't paying attention to Trinity basically. And Trinity caught him off guard. So
0: yeah, because he's a cause and effect guy. The Frenchman he, he like almost foresees everything, knows how it's going to happen. But that was the one time where he didn't think it was going to be. It was all because of love.
2: Now, did he literally want the eyes of the oracle, or did he just want the power of foresight that the oracle has? Uh, that's a good
0: question. I don't know. Maybe the literal eyes is how I took it. Either way, that's a creepy thing to ask for. And the wife was just going along with it.
2: Yeah, sure. Ask for some stranger's eyes. That's not <laughs> a
0: weird thing to have at all. God, that marriage. They've been around for so many you know, iterations. Just reach that acceptance how do you keep things fresh try to keep that's right, that's right. <laughs> take body parts from people oh yeah
2: shoot your husband's henchman in the head so many problems so many. <laughs> you think they program some couples counseling for those two <laughs> so many the machine AI just realized hey we're having some problems with the Merovingian Mirovig- uh, and some in Persephone maybe we got to program a, a, a counselor for them let's what? help let's help them out
0: It's funny as hell. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean you see Robin Williams coming out and the, it's not your fault. It's <laughs> not your fault.
2: <laughs> I just had to tell that to Matt David. I just said it wasn't his fault either.
0: <laughs> God.
2: I, I, I don't know. I just don't I feel like that this whole the train station, way station, club scene was just almost like a cheap way to get the Merovingian back in the movie. And all it did this club scene, all it did was just show him and persephone in different outfits yeah he's still speaking in that long you know monologuey type thing like i always want the more power and so what's the best power bring me the eyes of the oracle
0: while he eats his olives right and then points with the glass like a douchebag it's like man this guy
2: nobody's intimidating while they're drinking a martini (laughs) unless your name's james bond you're not intimidating anybody with your three olive martini
0: (laughs) i mean the concept of the uh train station was kind of cool like a purgatory and it was interesting with the programs wow i'll be the programs you know it did have the reveal that they could love and love is just a word you know and karma is just a word which that was unique you know and how they need to use the Frenchman to ferry the programs that are about to be deleted. So it was kinda cool.
2: Very Buddhist for to say like, oh, love is just a word, karma is just a word, you know, like not having attachments. It's a very kind of plays up some of the, the Buddhism aspects that we've that we've seen in this movie.
0: This film's about philosophy, Chris. <laughs> they have to throw it in there.
2: Drives home the point of yeah, philosophy for sure. And I think the main theme that we pointed out in uh reloaded was choice but then like but what's the theme here is it faith is it trust
0: i thought it was like death cuz they always talk about like things ending the whole time cuz isn't that the what smith says and and i think the oracle all things end
2: yeah everything that has a beginning has an end yeah everybody die or at least you know trinity dies neo dies yeah um the smiths and all the the programs he assimilated die with the exception of the oracle which was weird
0: and the little girl
2: yeah like to me i thought like you know if if that were the case and we saw all the other programs die once the machine was able to delete the the smith program wouldn't that mean that every program is now dead or deleted including the oracle
0: that was yeah my question about it was this because what does Smith do when he takes over? Is he become, is that program deleted, or is he just kind of like a, a skin on an avatar that you change? You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to take it as Smith just was a skin. And then because I think at the end, the architect, when the Oracle talks to him, he's like, oh, they'll get a choice if they want to leave. You know, he'll allow them. So maybe Smith
1: didn't kill everyone. Well, and he's more of a virus, right? So maybe you get some anti-software program and uh, <laughs> you, you run that through all the programs and maybe you get the programs back. I don't know. <laughs>
0: yeah, when when Smith took over Neo, that's what the little, the ex machina, literal ex machina did. Injected anti Yeah, injected antivirus virus program. Oh, here's your
2: Avast update.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're deleting the Smith worm off of the Matrix.
0: Who would have thought? But it makes sense from a computer
2: perspective. Yeah, I mean, certainly. It's just, uh,
0: like, I don't know. like Anticlimactic. It's a little anticlimactic <laughs> that all Neo
2: has to do is surrender himself to Smith. Yeah. And then the deus ex machina takes over and uploads
0: the new uh, version of Avast. That's why people actually say that Smith is the one. Because in the end, it takes Smith, you know, assimilating with Neo to actually cause the end of the Matrix. Well, they're both
2: ones they're the two they're the
0: twos (laughs) so this film is super religious though speaking of like when that the end happens like i saw a cross on neo when he like assimilates you know and it is the light comes out of his eyes and everything very jesus oriented he was the chosen one
2: walk by faith not by sight oh my god yes he's blind for most of the movie yeah. <laughs> the only thing he can see is the machine code. And he's, he's now become full on Jesus-like. I mean, he can stop all the bombs with just his thoughts, but it becomes too much for him. Um, very almost like, you know, like blind samurai meets Jesus thing. <laughs> yeah, he
0: was so... The religious elements in this film is so amped up because before the second one was like prophecy right but now even morpheus is like hope i have faith it's like oh okay
2: don't know how morpheus still has faith even after realizing that the prophecy was all bs and there was five other prophecies that existed beforehand
0: i don't know maybe and that man's been through a lot because imagine just being awakened from the matrix number one everything you know is a lie and now the prophecy like, what do you do after that? I don't know. And his wife left him. So, I mean, it's just... the
2: man's been through a lot. Yeah. Girlfriend dumps him. <laughs> Turns out he's just a long in a long line of gullible people who found the one, quote-unquote, even though there's been five others before him. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's got to shake you to your
0: core. He, he's too stoic. Apparently. I don't know. It was just... It was really weird. Like, well, I don't know, because we've seen this in movies where, when in doubt, rely heavily on religious elements to tell a story if you're uncertain.
2: And to be fair, I mean, there's every movie makes some sort of religious allegory or comparison at some point. It's it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. Sort of like Smith assimilating things.
0: (laughs) Which for him was pretty cool because he didn't even know why he was making the choices he made at the end. Especially after he took over the oracle. Which is interesting because Smith, his whole like idea from the first one is, you know, everything, there's a process. You know, a chain of events. There's an order to things. But even at the end, he just started taking over people. And then he's like, I don't even know why I'm saying the things I'm saying. So it's kind of nice like to see his character grow in a way. And that monologue,
2: awesome. <laughs> so many monologues, again, from Smith and this time around, it's, Smith is the most guilty of it. It's like, why do you persist, Mister Anderson? Why?
0: Why? Why? I, I like that though. I love Hugo Weaving. I'm like, just. He takes off his glasses. He looks terrifying without it.
1: Those eyes. And uh, that big fight between the two of them is just in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say. I mean, as much as we praise the action scenes from the Wachowskis, yeah. Again, I this it was just the. The, the cgi again you know i mean it's mm-hmm. just it, it was the same thing as reloaded with the with the smith fight um it just it didn't look good to me i i don't know and it, and i think it was just it was just it was too long and uh, i almost felt like i was watching like a, a, a cgi uh anime fight like mm-hmm. japanese anime you know like yeah <laughs> i don't know it is that that's probably the biggest Negative, I would probably point out in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what you guys think.
0: I'm going to agree with you. I think the two big fight scenes at the end are the most almost boring because the robots, the robots attacking, you know, with the uh, military guy <laughs> shooting. I'm like, number one, tactically, that doesn't make sense why the robots would just, like, form, like, one stream. You, you know, there's millions of them. Why not just separate and pick off everyone? So I just didn't make sense tactically and it just didn't look good and then the smith scene in the rain cool cool touch right the rain the dark oh he's evil but it just went on too long and the whole point in the end was for him to get assimilated and surrender himself i just think like, it took too long i don't need that much
2: i think this is the problem with this movie was that it's was formatted for imax screens mm. and imax screens are obviously huge and The rain, I'm sure, looks great on that big screen. But when you compress it to a home movie or a a, a home television screen, it doesn't look the same. It looks pixelated. It looks odd. And the problem now, like, it's not it's not we're not capable of watching this in the way it was originally intended to. Because they're not re-releasing this in IMAX and nobody has a 400 foot screen in their home.
0: You mean like how Martin Scorsese intended The Irishman to be released on Netflix?
2: Yeah, sure he did. (laughs) That two-faced liar. (laughs) Oh, yeah, streaming services like aren't movies and blah, blah, blah. Then what do you do? You release The Irishman on Netflix. (laughs) You freaking liar. <laughs> did you? Why don't you say what you really mean, Martin Scorsese? How about you stop being picky about what films qualify as films and where they get released, huh? <laughs> Make a movie that's worth watching and not four and a half hours long.
1: Freaking Scorsese. Oh, Matrix Revolution. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what did you think, Chris, of the battles? Did they Were they kind of boring or were, did you like them, like? and that's okay if you did the the, the,
2: the, uh, excuse me the zion fight was it suffers from the same problem that we've seen in other action scenes in this series where it seems to drag on a bit longer than it should and it's hard to figure out sort of the geography of of this battle like we don't we don't get like a top-down view of zion like is the dock separate from zion like is there some sort of gate or you know, a separate is the dock separate from Zion? That's what I want to know, because <laughs> they make a yeah. big deal about oh, we gotta hold the dock, we gotta hold the dock, and then you know, uh, you know, through fortuitous events, the kid is able to open the 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 lock or the gate to dock three, mm-hmm. and the the ship breaks through and sets off the EMP, which I thought that's what Locke wanted yeah. all along. I thought his main goal was to. Set off an EMP, destroy the machines, and mount a defense in in the cave that's incredibly dirty.
0: <laughs>
2: and then when they do that, when the EMP does go off, he's pissed off about it. It's like, nothing's ever good enough for this guy.
0: He's like, never happy.
2: Like, isn't this what you wanted all along, Harry Lennox? Make up your mind, son. <laughs> he's just a Debbie Downer. Uh, or whatever the equivalent of that is in in the military, like the the person who thinks they're never, ever good enough for them.
0: Yep. That was him, Uh, you know, proud, but never satisfied. Yeah. I was confused by his choices.
1: Again, uh, military. That's uh, not very good.
0: (laughs) Pick the wrong
2: people. It does scale down some of the action a little bit. I would have liked to have seen more of the hovercraft um, chase scenes as they're going through the tunnel, the service network, and the tunnels trying to out you know outpace the sentinels and destroy as many as they can before getting back to zion it's certainly tense to watch those and and but the fight in the in the dock with the apus just seems more like something out of a, a, an anime fight like out of ghost in the shell or cowboy bebop or something seems more along those lines of where that sequence should be
0: yeah and these people really aren't in the matrix much this movie it's like right at the beginning and then at the end. There's really not much matrixing.
2: No, there's a long period where nobody's in the matrix and then Neo volunteers himself to hop back into the matrix.
0: Yeah. Cuz he know he finally he figures it out from the Oracle what is choice, you know, cuz that he meets with her she are he- it was so weird cuz he's like what choice do I make? Well, you already know the choice that you're making.
2: No, I don't. That's why I'm asking you.
0: <laughs> you just haven't thought of it yet or whatever. It was so weird. Whatever
2: eloquent thing she says to get him to make up his own mind.
0: And then he finally does, but it takes forever. It's like he still doesn't he knows what he's supposed to do, but he takes forever to make it up. It's like, dude, you could have saved all those lives if you just would have gone to the you know, to the city and sacrificed yourself.
2: Although speaking of the machine city, um did you have any expectations as to like how it would look or did you expect it to look more, like like steampunkish, cyberpunkish, whatever the the right genre word is here? Like, was this what you
0: were expecting out of it? I guess so, yeah, because I didn't know like what the machines would do. You know, like why did they need a city? I just imagined a giant like Tesla charging port that. <laughs> <laughs> they mag themselves in and charge and then get out. So I was totally, I had no expectations. I actually thought it was pretty cool, especially with the little critters crawling around and the weird baby face looking thing. It was weird, but, you know, I was like, all right, cool. They have a life too, right? Programs have feelings. So that was my thoughts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was, uh, I have similar thoughts to the, the machine's defenses. Like, you mean to tell me, like, it, that this is the best that the machines have <laughs> just throwing bombs at them and just seeing what sticks. It's certainly a cool visual of having Neo explode the bombs and the, and the ship rising up towards the sun. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like this, you don't have any like lasers or anything, you know, gargantuan size. that can just blow this ship out of the water. Like they just see the ship coming on their radar and be like, Oh, Boop, press the button and it blows
0: up.
1: Yeah,
2: where were the Star Trek lasers? Where were the torpedoes? <laughs> you got to send thousands and thousands of bombs to destroy one itty bitty ship. You're an advanced race of machines and artificial intelligence. Just zap them out of the sky with a push of a button.
0: <laughs> Maybe they were just so arrogant that they didn't think they needed anything more. You know, they're like the architect. He's like, ah, those pesky humans. They won't get this far. I don't think they ever have gotten that far or no one's ever gone to the machine city before.
2: No. And uh, yeah, I think, yeah, you're right about that. But we know since nobody's been here before, nobody's able to describe it to us. We have no frame of reference of what to expect as opposed to what we were told about Zion. And so when we, they get there and they see that it's uh, industrial is not the right word, but it's like, there's, it's very, there's like clean lines to it. Mm-hmm. Obviously a lot of power and electricity flowing through it. And, You get the creepy baby face deus ex machina thing, float out of nowhere and yell at Neo that we don't need your help. (laughs) It's
0: so weird. Uh, And how could he breathe? I thought the reason why the humans were underground, too, is because the air was too saturated it could have been they so, must have forgot the movie was four years old you know the matrix so they couldn't remember the how they wrote
2: <laughs> another one of those lovely plot holes are just so glaring <laughs> it, it gets to the point where some of them are like impossible to ignore like we talked about the, yeah the oracle not being deleted along with everybody else yeah neo not being able to breathe even though the air is supposed to be toxic up there they needed to drive this one home
0: so like, all right, we're in this far. Let's just finish it up. <laughs> they can't remember past the, the disappointment from the last film. <laughs> uh, and,
2: I, and I think there's something to be said about possibly waiting. And we talked about this a little bit. Like, there, there should have, like, the Wachowskis had four or five years to develop the first Matrix film. And then the turnaround time here was so short to develop these two films not only to film them concurrently over an 18-month schedule, but then you had to write them, you had to direct them, and then you have post-production. And and it, I don't think it helps either that these two films came out not only in the same year, but six months apart from each other. Yeah. You do not see this anymore for anything. We saw this with Star Wars, where The Last Jedi came out in December, and then five months later, Solo comes out and is people have Star Wars fatigue and Solo is a box office bomb. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that maybe the studio should have waited to release this film. Like I, I like I can certainly identify points in this in these in this film and combined with Reloaded where it feels like it should have been more of a mini series instead of. What's well, essentially a four and a half hour two part film, and I don't know, like, like what do you guys think? Like, where do we assign blame here? Is it the studio for wanting to release this film, or the Wachowskis not taking the time to properly develop this?
1: I'm I I mean I don't know for sure, but I would guess it'd probably be the studio because I, isn't it always the studio's fault, <laughs> the executive's <laughs> faults? Like, <laughs> we want this, and basically the 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 creators have to do what they're saying i mean I, I that's what i would i would guess i don't know if that's what actually happened but uh I, I i completely agree that this was totally rushed and it just it was everything was just done in too much of a compressed amount of time um and then i you know for me i don't know i don't know about you guys i revolutions just feels like like a like the final war film, basically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, and and that's all it is to me. I, I don't really get anything else out of it. I don't think a whole movie needed to be that long, honestly. Um, I think the two final battles, you know, the the, the, the battle of Zion and then um, Neil's battle with Smith, I, I think that takes up a little bit more of an hour than the film. And, you know, it, think of like, we can just think of recent examples like endgame you know avengers endgame i think the final battle was really only 45 minutes maybe 50 minutes but it, it wasn't as long as, as the matrix here so you know it's it, it dragged on for me i think they could have probably done a little bit more with the story uh with reloaded and you know expand upon that and then you know shorten that final battle that for me and, and and i don't know how other people would feel about, about that but i think that would have probably made uh, a better series of events
2: i mean in, in in endgame we got payoffs in that movie that we're building for 10 15 movies prior to that point i th-
0: i see i agree with you there this film reminds me very much of the hobbit where it's like there's three movies and it didn't have to be three movies long because that final hobbit film was just war and it was just such a letdown because it's too much war. You're just like, all right, this doesn't need to last that long. Because the whole point of the film is Neo, you know, gets assimilated by Smith and then it's over. They reboot the Matrix, you know, like they, they literally spill it out for you in the second one. You know, Zion will die and it's going to restart a new iteration. So
2: I would have been fine if they had taken the time to develop more filler stories between because there's six months that happened in between the Matrix and Matrix Reloaded there's several stories that could have been told in between there to really emphasize the point that there is a coming war as opposed to dropping us in three days before the machines arrive at Zion there's so much that could have been done and also like spacing it out too instead of making this big battle happen six months after Neo arrives in the Matrix why not set it like a year or two afterwards for the machines to really build up a force and, and and like allow us more time to get to know these characters flesh out their stories introduce new ones in a way um because when neo and trinity die uh, uh, unfortunately we're not allowed to really grieve for them at any point like we we get neo crying over trinity's corpse but for us it's just like we barely know you it would have been nice to get to know trinity a little bit more and neo and his sacrifice i mean i don't know is he dead is he really dead though because he's carried away and i feel like if
0: he were truly dead like wouldn't the machines have just left them there no they just re- they put him back into the system i think and it's just going to start a new iteration in my opinion um yeah because he he dies or I don't know if he sacrificed himself. They restart his heart. They do some Matrix crap on him, and Trinity, like what he did to her, and they just reinsert them. Yeah, it's just you. It really is. Hurry up, quick! She dies, and then you don't get to process it. That, I don't know what this, what is up with this series and trying to kill Trinity? Because the last film, that was like the whole arc for her, like right, her dying, and they saves her. Then she dies again. They just don't want Trinity to survive. Maybe that was her whole point, is her character. I don't there's, e- know. there's
2: even moments in the first film where they try so hard to kill her. Yeah
0: she just never can catch a break.
2: never. This, this, these movies should have focused on Trinity than how many times they tried to kill her because <laughs> clearly she's the main focus and target of the agents or whoever. Because, I mean, there's there's an opening scene in the first film, and then she's dangling off the, the, the building during the helicopter ch- sequence. She's falling down the building and reloaded, and then here she's, like, Bane tries to kill her all the time. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. And she's so hard to kill. The Matrix, colon, all the times we've tried to kill Trinity. <laughs> Uh, I mean, but yeah, like, Jeremy, I got to agree with you. I think it's it's definitely the, the studios. Uh, I think it's, it's it's a combination of their impatience and their greed to, to get these films out. Because they, like we talked about in Reloaded, they committed a sizable budget for the marketing, lots of money. And they thought, hey, what's a good way to recuperate our money? Let's release two major blockbusters in the same year, six months apart from each other. That's a brilliant idea. And that
0: is why you never see it again, (laughs) because it does not work. No, because sometimes people like it takes a whole year for people to see a movie or more, you know, like give it time to like marinate studios just saw money. Cash cow. I mean,
2: Endgame was released a full year after Infinity War came out.
0: But that also I feel like with Endgame, it built, like you said, there's 15 films of building like they really for this. They put all their eggs in the basket, hoping that Reloaded would be good enough to draw people back for a second one and I just if they would have waited <laughs> a yeah. year or two to see how it was gonna you know unfold then they could have done some reshoots taken more time with the editing you know but no they just went all eggs in a basket they put it all on red <laughs> <laughs> it did not work out for them <laughs> uh, no it didn't well it also didn't work
2: out for a couple other people in this film did you have a red shirt
0: red shirt in this film
2: there's so many
0: God, there's too many <laughs> everyone dies i don't know well who would, no i have everyone dies so i don't really have anyone that stuck out to me
2: i think we we touched on the the moment where the uh their, their, their z and her comrade chara are shooting the rockets oh. at the diggers like i got my red shirt would have to be chara yeah because i mean she's She's the only one who's shooting the rockets. Z's not doing any of that work. She built the rockets, obviously, but Char is putting her life on the line to to destroy the Diggers. And we know Char for all of 15 minutes before she gets skewered horribly by those Sentinels.
0: Yeah, I was pretty bummed about that. Because when they launched the first missile and second missile, I'm like, oh, they're so close. Well, maybe if they go somewhere else tactically and then reload. Nope. <laughs>
2: Maybe if they had taken the time to introduce that character in Reloaded,
0: mm-hmm. like her death would have
2: had significantly more impact. We briefly get to know her and then boom,
0: she's dead, right? Yeah, I like how it was Z too. It wasn't she the one that was like so mad at her husband for joining the Nebuchadnezzar because her brother's died. But here she goes, I'm just going to go venture out in public and with the potential of getting murdered.
2: I think yeah, she said something like along the lines like I want to try and make sure Link comes back after being so upset that he's gone all the time.
0: Well, he can come back, but it doesn't matter for her apparently. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, you, Jeremy? Oh
1: yeah, uh, Apart from those those deaths, uh, I have to jump right back to the beginning that uh, that the woman who's kind of acting as like the doctor. Oh yeah. Since she uh, gets. Gets uh, killed by Bane slash Smith.
0: He, like, stabs her in the gut.
2: Yeah, for all her troubles, gets a scalpel in the chest. <sighs> what a jerk.
0: Which, I don't know if a scalpel in the chest would kill you. Because it looked like it was pretty low. you got to shove it in there pretty good, don't you? you got to twist around, you know? You can't just get a little ching-ching, you know? you got to move it. Yeah, uh, Unless but- they...
2: And this is the anatomy hour with force-fed sci-fi. How to
0: allegedly murder someone? Great.
2: Allegedly. Allegedly
0: No, it's saying nothing.
2: Hey, the charges were dropped.
0: <laughs> Any lens flares?
2: Uh, I touched on this a little bit, but I, I have to say the the ridiculous way those APUs are reloaded, exposing the kid. Too, and everybody else has to reload those things to death and destruction. It is the worst way I could conceive of having to reload a big weapon like that. Is putting more people in danger just to do it?
0: That's like some saving Private Ryan crap right there. Yeah, ammo guy.
2: Go get the bandoliers. What happened to the last guy who was getting them? Oh, he's dead.
0: (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Best of luck, kid. (laughs) Yeah, mine too. Well, actually, mine was the attack formation of the the machines. That was just so stupid. A stream like what are they gonna do just overwhelm them it looks cool though doesn't it <laughs> it did look cool but even like when the guy died he had like the scratches on his face i'm like what do they do the machines with their little uh lobster arms like, Kay, meh, 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 like just scratch his face like i don't know stab him to death such a brutal death like like gurgling and i'm surprised like, that oh. they didn't think to just like push him off the the hangar. you know because the machine all it would have to do is just drive you know and and then they just fall down the cavern and bye-bye they're dead they're not surviving that fall
2: well there's lasers too that those things have like they could have just like targeted one individually and use their lasers and just zoop, like bifurcate them or something <laughs> <sighs> like you have one of the you have the best weapon the weapon we've been talking about using like, and it was in the, the first film because they used a the laser to cut into the hole.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 You have lasers on those things. Just, just zoop. If that's what you want to do is kill them all, use the freaking lasers. They must have forgot what they wrote four years prior. I, I think that's got to be it. Yeah. They it, had to have forgotten. Or they they got to do something new and fresh. We can't revisit. You know? No,
2: let's have them use the claws and skewer people to
0: death. <laughs> and <laughs> cut people up. <laughs> death <laughs> by a thousand cuts. <laughs> Literally they're taking a page out of ryan johnson's uh, star wars you know military tactics you know let's just drop bombs in space
2: <laughs> drop all the bombs
1: how about you
0: jeremy any lens flares
1: no i think uh i i can't really think of any um but yeah i uh, maybe the one that uh i'd agree with you sean is the the uh the machines coming in in that straight line yeah that that doesn't really make any sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And then maybe, maybe uh, with that, the uh just kind of, kind of tropey, um, the the captain just yelling while he's <laughs> so dumb. shooting all of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb. For Zion!
2: They say "knuckle up." What is like three or four times in during that sequence? I
0: don't even know what that means. They just wanted their own catchphrases. Is my my guess.
2: Yeah, it's still nothing beats Avengers. Assemble. (laughs) Never will.
0: Any toxic fandom?
2: Oh, yes. And it was fun. This is a a fun one. Uh, Though even though Neo planned to peacefully surrender to the machines when he reached the city, he made no effort to communicate this to the machines via radio. Considering that Neo still had the codes that the architect wanted, and that the EMP from a single ship would barely make a dent in the city's defenses, the machines would have surely been open to a peaceful surrender, but Neo does not even attempt this, resulting in Trinity's death. So this person clearly has some insight into the motivations of the machines, even though they had sent a massive army to kill everybody who's underground. (laughs) They would accept some sort of peaceful surrender.
0: (laughs) They must have been mad at Trinity's death. That's all I got out of that. Like, They're I mean, really butthurt over that. It's
2: clearly butthurt over
0: that. God. They, what? It's so dumb. So dumb. It is dumb. Like, she dies. I, I, damned if they watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> like,
2: it's like, well, you're going to be really disappointed here, bud. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look at the review for every Game of Thrones episode. I mean, crap, man. This guy, it's going to be okay. That's the whole point of the movie. Everything has a beginning, has an end. Yes. They clearly missed the point the trilogy
2: 3 is the magic number except for the fourth one <laughs> <laughs> that it's a what a tetra trilogy Quadrilogy? i don't know what the right word is anymore i don't do math i don't know
0: but no i don't think it's a quadrilogy i think it's a it's start it's a different cuz and this is a little for alien Resurrection. They coined quad trilogy for when they uh, release the DVDs, and that's not a word, but I guess yeah. they made it a word. So maybe it is a word. No? I don't know. <laughs> there so, you go, people. Let us know what you think. <laughs> uh, did you have thoughts about
2: who was not doing their job the way they should have done? Who's not doing their job in this
1: movie? Well, after discussing them at the beginning of the episode, the whole military. <laughs> 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 I, that's that's what I think. <laughs>
0: I'm going to back Jeremy on that one. Definitely the military did not do their job at all.
1: We're indicting
2: Commander Locke and Captain Mifune. <laughs> like, you're not doing your job, sons!
0: It just seems so needless. What a, what a waste of human life. Yeah. So No, thank God that, you know, they died.
2: I got a lump in um, Captain Roland, who um, originally found Bane um, as a survivor of that last group there. And you know, he, clearly he suspects Bane knows more than he does or is saying and doesn't do a greater job of like locking him up in the brig or making sure he can't escape because he, he kills somebody on the way out the door and blinds Neo and in and through cause and effect manages to get Trinity killed, too. So, yeah, Captain Roland, not doing your job. You've got a prisoner on board. Lock him up.
1: <laughs>
2: Basic one oh one. You're a captain for a reason, man. Act like it.
0: I don't think he was a good captain either. Like, he really didn't want to be there, I felt like. No. Which bothered me, because I'm like, didn't you volunteer to go out there? Like, come on.
2: Had a major issue with, like, that moment that Niobe looks at him and is like, no, like, I'm the captain of this ship. You're not doing anything. Yeah. Like, he can take mine. Like, and don't give me any speech about, you know, that crap you just said. It's my ship. I'll do what I want with it. Kudos to Naomi. She was doing her job. Yes. finally, somebody actually doing their job and hell of a pilot manages to have some pretty cool maneuvers getting them back to Zion.
0: Though they did say that she's a hell of a pilot like 10 times in this movie. Yeah. Like to really drive it home. It's like, all right, we get it. You're you're a good pilot. I don't need, you know, it's like the choice thing. It's like, come on.
2: Do love that moment where Roland goes, oh, God, I didn't even know the ship could do that. (laughs) (laughs) Like you've been captain for how long? You didn't know what the capabilities of your craft are?
0: Not doing his job. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> Failures all around. And you know what else didn't really do its job? This film with its uh, gross. <laughs> oh my god, cuz it it only made I think 427.3 million off of that uh, 150 budget. Good god. Not as much as the last one. I think it was like that sour taste in people's mouths.
2: But I think when you look at um, Reloaded and Revolutions combined, I mean, this film made its money. Like, it made over a billion dollars and add that in with the total from the first film. This series has grossed a billion and a half dollars. Like, it's it's made up its money. It's very successful. I mean, obviously, critics and us have crapped on this movie for as long as it's been out.
0: Oh, yeah. They called it anti-clagmatic... And uh, less philosophically ambiguous than its predecessor. Oh, that's, that's a mean, mean criticism. A
2: little bit, but I like I think this is also drives on the point that you can't make everybody happy. Because yeah. Matrix Reloaded definitely heavy on those exposition dumps and lengthy monologues, whereas there's a lack of it here in Revolutions, and people are what not happy about that either, right? Like it's... make up your mind as to what you want or what you don't want.
0: I agree with you there because this one got a 35 on rotten tomatoes which the other one had a 73 but this one it's like a massive so it's like we did all the things you asked yeah you definitely see like the peak with the first film going all
2: the way down to the bottom with the third film at least you know from here it can only go up with the matrix resurrections oh yeah it's it's gonna
0: make money just because i think people forgot
2: I mean, but it, this also helped Keanu Reeves' career. I mean, he had a bit of a, I guess, maybe not exactly like a downturn in the mid-2000s, but I mean, Carrie Ann Moss found her way into uh, Marvel's Netflix shows with Jessica Jones. Lawrence Fishburne, still doing Lawrence Fishburne things, does all the things he wants to do. Also found his way into the MCU. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now we got to get Keanu Reeves in the MCU in
1: some way. Oh, I'm sure he'll get in there. He's got yeah, it. Yeah, he even said he'd be, he'd be honored to be a part of it, so... I'm sure. I'm sure they'll find something for him. There's, there's lots of ways they could include him.
2: Where is he gonna find the time though, with all the John Wick movies he does? <laughs> <laughs> what, it, what do they call it now? It's like the Keanu Sans or the the, I don't know what they're. He's. It seems like he's in everything. He's unavoidable now.
0: Yeah, he'll, he'll find. They'll find a way. I'm sure. Because if they can get Christian Bale to be in the MCU, I'm sure they can get him.
2: I mean, Ghost Rider is taken. Gabriel Luna is Ghost Rider. But I don't know. Like, There's got to be something out there for Keanu Reeves to do in the MCU. I mean,
1: God's sakes, Oscar Isaac is finding his way into the MCU. Actually, uh, I know we're going off on a tangent, but uh, I think Keanu Reeves was supposed to be um, the character that Jude Law was in uh, Captain Marvel. At least I think that was what the rumor was. Hmm. Yeah. I'm glad it didn't turn out that way because I would like Keanu Reeves to have a different part in the MCU as opposed to turn out to be some bad guy. Yeah, I agree. I w- if Me Keanu's
2: going to be in the MCU, I want him to be in it for a while. Or if
1: he's a bad guy, just be a really good bad guy.
2: Yeah. Epic. Have him be like the next Loki or something. Have him be a Loki variant. That'd be fun to watch.
0: Something. Then he can do his kung fu moves. I still know kung fu. <laughs> But for the Wachowskis, I don't know if we talked about it. Their careers kind of haven't really been great since this. Well, I think Lily has had a renaissance with that TV show.
2: Yeah, she's doing a a show for Showtime right now called Work in Progress. that has been a lot of rave reviews. Uh, She's been the showrunner on that, I think, since 2019. Mm -hmm. And Lana has kind of taken over the reins as sort of the creative director of the Matrix series. Um, Obviously, she's doing it with the blessing of... Lily um, but yeah like there there are movies after the Matrix trilogy really are not the same quality because we have Speed Racer which no idea what they were trying to go
0: for with that movie and nobody asked for it either right like <laughs> sorry it was not curious and they did Cloud Atlas which I actually kind of enjoy- I saw it in theaters I was one of the 10 people that saw it <laughs> but it's it's yeah, it's a long movie long i'm sure we'll review it one day (laughs) maybe (laughs) is it science
2: fiction i i (laughs) I, not okay i I have no idea what it's about i i have no frame of reference for it Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean if it's science fiction i'll certainly we'll add it to the list why not yay um and then they did a jupiter ascending which was basically they were trying to do like a cosmic matrix type of story nobody knew what was going on there i think it was a bloated plot nobody Nobody could make sense of it from the, the from the trailers.
0: It was it was weird and not good. It wasn't good. I saw it with my old man, and uh, he he was like, "That was the worst movie I've ever seen." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." It's like Mil- Mila Kunis is hot, though. I'm like, "Yeah, it's about it, but you can watch better films with her." Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't recommend that. Uh,
2: so the Warner Brothers and the Wachowskis have returned to the well that is the Matrix and Resurrections coming at us very soon here
0: yeah we're gonna see it and i'm sure release it on here that'll be our number four
2: <laughs> we'll close out our matrix suite of episodes but uh with all that in mind let's rate the uh, matrix revolutions so on our unique scale for the force sci-fi podcasts of would watch would watch would own and would host a viewing party you know i'll I'll, I'll lead it off here and I'll, and I'll kick it to one of you guys here in a second. So, and I'll lead this off by saying that this isn't the satisfying conclusion I think we were all hoping for in this series. I think and a lot of things that we touched on should have happened here. There should have been a couple more movies to set up these characters, really give us time to um, appreciate them and love them and be sad when they pass away and relish in their victories, I think more time should have been devoted crafting a story fitting of Neo's sacrifice and being able to see the piece that he brought about instead of just dying unceremoniously alone in the machine world. And I think these the in-movie plot holes that we touched on about the Oracle not being deleted along with the rest of the Smiths and the other ones that we've mentioned before, I think they're too glaring to ignore. This is like a... This would be like a J.J. Abrams movie on steroids, if all if it, if his movies were just entirely made of plot holes that weren't resolved, and and I think the philosophy is scaled back in in terms of uh, for the sake of action and spectacle. I mean, I, I think we're certainly falling into the category of people like, well, how much is too much? I know that nothing is it's better to have a little as opposed to nothing, and that's what's here in this film is there's no core philosophy that we've come to know with these films and and i wish the concept of smith existing outside of the matrix was a bigger part of this film i think we i think we've all agreed that this should have been something that should have been a bigger uh point in the first act and going into the second act but all in all i don't feel happy about this film like it just sort of ends for me i don't feel happy i don't feel sad about it for me, it's just over, and for that, I'm going to call this a would-not-watch. So, Jeremy, how about you? What, what are your thoughts on Revolutions here?
1: Yeah, you know, like I said earlier, um, it's it's a film that's just there to kind of close out the the battle and slash war between Zion and the machines, and that's I think that's its main purpose, and it takes up uh, most of the film. Um, so we don't really get a lot of uh, a lot of time going into characters uh, and and maybe a a different storyline too or something Uh, it's just it's kind of it's just kind of thrown at you with with just a basic film a basic war film almost Uh, um, so I I I wish that they would have spent more time doing something else, like you said, maybe something with uh, Smith in the in the real world, or, um, or you know, shorten the shorten this this big Zion battle and explore something else. Um, so yeah, I I would I would probably have to say with this film by itself, I it would not watch. However, I mean, I think w- if you're watching. The, the the this trilogy you're probably probably going to want some type of closure even if it's not a very good closure um then i would say a, a would watch but but I, with the film by itself i would say would not watch
2: fair enough i can Ooh. definitely yeah i agree with that how about you Sean?
0: Uh yeah i like echo your guys's sentiments with everything um for me it's a would not watch unless it's part of the whole I would put it as a wood watch as well. Um, overall, characters, concepts are really interesting, but it's just like a big dumb war film. I wish to like fix it, if there was a way to fix it, instead of like having that Matrix video game be released, instead I wish they would have taken all that hour-long footage and put it in Reloaded, and then maybe with that had enough time and to push like Smith's character into this film, have it end sooner for Reloaded and then have more of the... Uh, things that happened into this one because then it would have beefed up the story a little bit more or shown like Bane uh, disabling the ships. You know, the big battle where they found his body, how they ended the last film. That would have been something more interesting and would have given the story a little bit something more to fight for rather than just like the weird train station and then just the big battles. So, and then, yeah, the ending of Neo just being like reinserted into the Matrix is just kind of like, It's just like a, I don't know, it's like melancholy because like, you know, they're just repeating the cycle now for the seventh time. And it's like in the end, you're just looking at the philosophical concepts going, well, then what is the point of this? Is there a point of this film? You know, was the whole purpose for it just to repeat? And to me, it's like, well, meta, interesting, but ultimately unsatisfactory for like a Hollywood film. So with that, I wouldn't watch it. (laughs)
1: i would say we don't know for sure if neo is reinserted i mean it's definitely a possibility and i think uh, even though you were kind of saying the matrix is is starting over it is kind of starting over in a different way in that the uh city what's left of the city of zion is has survived so um so right now there's you know as far as the story goes there's a peace between machines and human and the humans um and we'll see where that takes us with uh resurrections maybe the piece is done with now and uh the inevitability of the one has to come back again like the architect said and and reloaded so uh just wanted to throw that comment out there as we're going into Resurrections. so
2: good lead up for resurrections Mm -hmm. good to have these have these movies fresh in our mind as we head into um the next uh, entry in the matrix sequel uh, coming out very soon. We're going to be watching that and then we'll hopefully provide our commentary on that very soon. Uh, Sean, Jeremy, once again, pleasure to record with you guys and discuss uh, this series of films. Uh, And if you all enjoyed today's episode, please head on over to Apple podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It really helps to drive us up the charts as well as help people like you find the show. We are across the spectrum of social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Force Fed Sci-Fi. You can check out and download episodes from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you find podcasts. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Finally, you can check out our website, ForceFedSciFi.com, for show notes and links to all of our social media. And so for all of us at the Force Fed Sci-Fi team, we will see you next time.